I'd love to just welcome you to this week's Citizens Climate University. It's a weekly webinar program of the Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides CCL supporters like you and I with access to in-depth training opportunities on topics related to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'm your host, Brett Cease, and tonight's webinar is the first in a series that we do annually leading up to our June Lobby Days. And it's, we've designed it to help empower you as constituents who are planning to meet with your members of Congress with the basic knowledge that you'll need to understand Congress and what it's like to lobby them as a constituent. So tonight we'll actually have the chance to hear from four diverse speakers, all of them CCL leaders that have relatively recently joined CCL and taken on leadership positions about their aha moments when the transformative power of citizen advocacy really clicked for them. If we've done our job well at the end of our time together tonight, we'll have the chance to really review why lobbying as constituents matters and why we have important advantages when we go into our lobby meetings. We'll have the chance to review some of their particular approaches that can help us be most effective when we engage in these meetings. And we'll also feel empowered and hopefully be able to be ready to share our own stories, realizing that each of us has them to help empower others around us in our own networks, in our own communities, to engage more in the political process to help us create these changes and solutions that we want to see enacted. So tonight we're gonna to hear from Colleen and Akila and Nicholas and Hendry, and I'll let them introduce themselves as we go through our stories, uh, but our agenda is really straightforward. We're gonna have the chance to review making a difference and actually take a step back initially by even reminding us of the founding of CCL with Marshall Saunders' story. We're gonna have the chance to talk more about our opportunities as citizens lobbyists. We're gonna share stories of empowerment review the advantages that we have as constituents, and talk about the art of building relationships with House and Senate and their staffers. So with that, I would say that Marshall Saunders, uh, the founder of CCL, always made a great case for what it means to be an engaged and active citizen. We live in a country where citizen engagement is valued and encouraged. The word lobbying may carry with it some negative connotations stemming from the practice of paid professional lobbying However, for us as citizens, it's not only our right, but our duty to be engaged and express our voice. So remember, politicians don't create political will, they respond to it. And for Marshall, his aha moment was when he realized that ordinary people like you and me have to organize, educate ourselves, give up our hopelessness and powerlessness, and gain the skills to be effective with our government. And even though Marshall passed away uh, three years ago now, um, just to really center us in the cultural values that he imbued CCL in from the very beginning and to talk more about his own relationship with lobbying, I'd love to just give a little one minute glimpse into his spirit here. This is an interview he did for the founding episode of Citizens Climate Radio. So you hear our host, Peterson Toscano, interview Marshall here. And it is trusting that ordinary people can get the job done. It's a, it's a trusting in ordinary people. You know, not people who have made it, not people who are powerful, but ordinary people. You know, and if people are not demonstrating that, well, they can. They can. They need a little encouragement, a little 
breakthrough like I had. So, you know, it's one step at a time. I still get chills every time I hear about that. And if you would like to listen to that whole episode and get a refresher about obviously all that Marshall brought this organization, I'll put in the chat a link uh, to that Citizens Climate Radio episode uh, that really founded um, obviously why we're all here tonight. Another founding father that I would like to just quickly acknowledge tonight, um, who has actually joined us in the past for our Lobbying 101 training is the wonderful Sam Daly Harris. And so you can see Sam pictured here, he's on CCL's advisory board. And on top of everything else he's done, he's written a book and it's now in its 20th anniversary edition called Reclaiming Our Democracy, Healing the Break Between People and Government. And in it, what Sam details is how he and the many citizen advocacy organizations that he's founded or coached throughout the years have really been able to catalyze the energy of thousands of volunteers to score significant legislative and policy wins. And without getting fully into the history, Sam is the founder of Results, um, which was the organization originally that Marshall belonged to, that he used a lot of that same model and methodology to start CCL's approach with engaging Congress to advocate for solutions on as well. And the, the whole book is wonderful. Um, it obviously talks about the process of engaging in change making like a spiritual approach, the politics of love. It highlights CCL interviews throughout the discussion. But what I would like to highlight tonight is that I think right now we're at a political moment in our country where whether it's ourselves or people that we're close to in our lives, I'm guessing all of the above, there is a pervasive sense of powerlessness that really is afflicting our hearts and turning many of us away from feeling like we can trust in the process of actually being able to affect change. And this is a poll from several years ago, but um, one of the studies that uh, Sam highlights is one that was done by Harvard professor Lawrence Lessig that basically found that 96% of Americans believe that it's important to reduce the influence of money in politics. However, that same study found that 91% of us don't think that it's possible. And that is what Sam writes is the politics of resignation. Sam also reminds us that even in these deep moments of sensing powerlessness, that politics of resignation gives us a perfect strategy for winning. How do we thaw resignation? That is what we're focused on here in CCL. And once we do that, we have a real chance of winning. And so I would like to just start us tonight before passing it to our first volunteer story to ground us in our mission and what we're all gathered together here to do collectively. And I know many of us have great familiarity with the first part of CCL's mission to build political will for a livable world. But what we're really focusing on tonight with tonight's training is that second but equally critical part of our mission. And that is to create the political will for climate solutions by enabling individual, that's you and I, our breakthroughs in personal and political power. So we know, obviously, that this is the core of what we're focused on, but what does that mean? Well, obviously, we've all had experiences in life where we've discovered a newly found source of strength or an inner ability that, you know, we realized that through our participation in something that we believed in, 
we could make a difference. And that's really what we're gonna start exploring tonight with the stories from our volunteers tonight. And again, building on thawing that resignation, I'm gonna start passing the baton to all four of our speakers. All of them have joined CCL in the last year or two, found empowerment in their volunteer work and taken on big roles with their group and community to help advance climate solutions. So tonight we're first actually gonna hear from Nick Culley who's going to address the value and the importance of CCL's core value of optimism and what it means to him. And especially building on what Sam Daly-Harris reminded us of, Nick's gonna share that while it might be easy to be pessimistic about the future, when you approach our advocacy collectively with that optimistic attitude and remember what we do matters, we actually can fight even harder to accomplish what we're striving for. So with that, I'm going to pass it to Nick, and I think you're in for a real treat here. Nicholas Coley. Uh, I'm from Rushville, Indiana, and I just recently got involved with CCL, and uh, currently I'm serving in the capacity of, as a liaison. So this last semester at school, I was in a class called People in the Environment, and it was all about how uh, human beings are having you know this negative impact on our environment, and then in turn what we can do to help slow that negative impact. And uh, towards the end of the class, uh, we had a representative from CCL come and speak. And one thing that I specifically remember her saying during her time at our class was that, um, you know, fighting climate change, it can feel like such a huge undertaking. And though you personally aren't going to do anything to stop climate change, you know, in its tracks, just being able to do any sort of little task that makes you feel like you're contributing something, you know, then in turn, helps eliminate some of the uh, anxieties that you might have about the future, you know, with climate change playing the negative impact that it's playing. Um, yeah, so there's definitely a lot of nerves going into the meeting, um, because I feel like political or climate advocacy, it, you know, kind of has been chalked up to a Democrat Republican issue. So going into a lobbying meeting with a Republican congressman's office, you know, there's definitely a lot of skepticism that, you know, we weren't going to get anything accomplished. Um, but just being able to have a respectful conversation with that representative, um, you know, based on CCL's commitment to being nonpartisan, I think that since we were able to establish that respect, it made things feel a lot more comfortable. And at the end of the meeting, I felt like we had actually made some, you know, uh, leeway in accomplishing our overall mission. So it was definitely uh, a great experience. And in terms of breakthrough, Though I haven't experienced any sort of, you know, monumentous breakthrough yet, I think, like I said, just being able to get our foot in the door and, you know, start that narrative with the congressman's office was definitely a personal breakthrough because it was something that I didn't necessarily see happening in our very first lobbying meeting. I think that CCL has done a nice job of establishing themselves as an apolitical and respectable organization. So it definitely eliminates some of the nerves. Like I said, I was afraid there'd be some sort of um, I guess political push and shove because I guess I had the preconceived idea that everything that happened, you know, lobbying wise was, you know, in a sense political. So since CCL has already established themselves as an organization that's not interested in, you know, getting in the mud and fighting politically, um, like I said, there is automatically that sense of respect between the representative's office and ourselves. So when I got into the meeting, you know, it was immediately apparent that we were there to have a very respectful conversation. And it was just easy to then communicate with the with the representative's office. Uh, and going along with that, the core value of CCL that I definitely resonate with most uh, is optimism, because, like I said, it can feel it can feel so um, 
easy to be pessimistic about the future when you see all these things happening, you know, uh, more frequent and worse natural disasters, um, continued wildfires in the West, stuff like that. It's easy to feel pessimistic about the future. But I think when you approach it with an optimistic attitude, uh, it gives you a sense of what we're doing matters. And then, you know, in turn helps you fight even harder for what it is we're fighting for. Well, thank you, Nick, obviously, for highlighting that. Um, what Nick also did a really wonderful job of doing, I would say, is just highlighting this dynamic that a lot of us are familiar with and hitting on this important point about kind of feeling uncomfortable about owning that L word, lobbying. And I would say that there's a simple reason why we have the stereotypes associated with lobbying and you know why companies pay so much for lobbyists. And I'm guessing a lot of you can also know or anticipate why. And that's because it works, right? It's effective. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you want to view it, um, lobbying your member of Congress can be an effective way to influencing change. And here's the good news, at least for all of us tonight, and that is that successful lobbyists don't have to be paid professionals. They can equally be passionate constituents, citizens that have developed relationships that don't need billions of dollars to develop those relationships. And that's specifically what we're focusing on as our role. So let's actually talk about then the role of citizens. So we know it's not possible for a member of Congress or their staff to know everything and every detail about the various policies that are being advanced in Congress, as well as all of those impacts on their district congressionally. And as a result, they rely on others to inform them. And that's specifically one reason why we meet with them and why it's important for us to show up and help give our perspective and our story to help really make those connections. And the other key thing I think that we really should emphasize here is that in the absence of us showing up, if we're not meeting with them, who is? Well, obviously paid lobbyists that are often there to represent on behalf of energy industry um, or other constituents, corporations, companies that obviously can benefit from the status quo. Um, so if we're advocating for the real kind of change in the climate solutions that are strong and ambitious that we desperately need right now, we need to show up and have our voices be heard in those offices as frequently as we can. And in put in another way, what I would also like to emphasize is this, that lobbying is simply making a case for what you believe Congress should be doing, right? At the, at the very end of the day, the bare minimum of that definition is such. So let's talk about a couple of other examples of constituents and the roles that we can play as constituents and how to be more effective in influencing policy. I would like to highlight uh, that there, again, as we're defining it at least, two types of constituents and they're not always given equal weight. So let's give an example of what that really looks like. Say you're attending a town hall meeting and a fellow constituent stands up and says, I think we should reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. Well, that's obviously probably an opinion all of us share and that's a constituent with an opinion. And the Congresswoman listening will file that away in one part of her brain uh, but say right after that, the next constituent walks up to the microphone or the meeting and shares her story. I think that we should reduce our greenhouse gas emissions because my three-year-old daughter has respiratory problems and I'm worried about the health impacts of her developing lungs. Well, that congresswoman is likely to store that story in a completely different part. And obviously that person has a much stronger bond then with the legislator or making a difference in that the Congresswoman has a greater obligation to integrate her concerns into that decision-making process. 
So really by emphasizing this distinction, the lesson here is that constituents with a genuine interest and a story are more likely to have influence than those who are just voicing their opinion. And especially as we transition out of this COVID era, when setting a legislator's daily agenda, constituents always figure prominently. So any constituent who makes the effort to travel to Washington, or at this point, again, with our lobby meetings this June, uh, is making the effort to build that meeting online even uh, with a whole host of group uh, constituents are more likely to get that meeting with a member of Congress or her staff. And I would say also as one other point of evidence, uh, we have a wonderful relationship with the Congressional Management Foundation and a survey that they did really confirms this. And I put that link in the chat, basically finding that constituents who are able to express an interest, not just opinion, have much more influence in their lobbying. So let's talk next, again, as we explore the advantage of citizens and what we can bring to our members of Congress meetings about the difference between paid lobbyists and citizen lobbyists. So this slide is a great helpful metric that details both of these advantages or you know, the advantage that we have over paid lobbyists, but paid lobbyists are obviously hired guns. And we are authentic individuals, constituents that actually live in the district that the uh, member of Congress represents and can vote in that district. And rather than being paid to have an opinion like paid lobbyists are, we intrinsically care. We're authentic and we have interests because we're passionate about them. And we're not frequently in DC. And so we should play that up to our advantage too, to be relatable. And as we arrive in DC for lobby meetings or prepare for them online, because we aren't showing up there frequently, because we're new and we have a new story to share, we can leverage that. And we also have the advantage of being in the district to know having the finger on the pulse, to know what's important to other constituents and to bring that voice into our meetings as well. So the take home message here is really that we're offering something very different than what has traditionally been done with paid lobbyists. Even though we don't have every advantage, we have passionate interest in the topic. We don't just have a paid opinion and we live and vote in a lawmaker's district so we ought to play to our advantages. And before we move on, one other thing that I think is important to highlight that Colleen actually is gonna to speak to tonight is acknowledging our comfort zones. It's important to acknowledge that for many of us, especially if it's our first time lobbying, we might feel a little bit intimidated. I'm looking around the room and I'm guessing that may be where you're at. Uh, Marshall Saunders, who we obviously heard from earlier, also has a wonderful story um, about his first time lobbying and a meeting with results, how he became more fixated with how his shoes appeared or whether he should be crossing his legs or sitting straight up uh, to the point where he actually, when it came to his turn, forgot what he had planned to say. Um, so that, that experience probably is not gonna happen to you, uh, but let's hear from Colleen next about how CCL really helped stretch her vision of what she was comfortable with and really where that magic happened for her, she was able to take further leadership. Everyone, I'm Colleen Rosales. Um, I currently live in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm a postdoctoral research scientist at UC Davis. So I work remotely for UC Davis, but currently living in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, I've, uh, this has been my home for about six years now. Um, I've joined CCL, I think it was late last year, so fairly new. 
Uh, I'm part of the steering committee for uh, CCL South Central Indiana, um, and I'm also part of the onboarding team for the South Central Indiana chapter. Um, and in terms of social media, I'm in charge of the Instagram page and the Google Listserv, as well as the Meetup page. So um, it kind of goes hand in hand with the onboarding team. So if we have new members, I kind of um, direct them to these pages. Um, CCL for me um, has empowered me in a sense that it gave me the um, the reason to or the the capacity to uh, be able to connect and contact um, with my representative and my senators and knowing that they recognize and listen to CCL. Um, and so the trainings, tips, and tools that CCL provides have empowered me to reach out um, not only to my representative and senators, but to the president as well. And so those um, tips and tools that I've um, you know, gotten from CCL has been really instrumental in you know, giving me the power to that I can, I can you know, reach out to, to um, those in power and um, tell them that you know, this is, you know, climate is for all of us. And, and you know, if uh, I was to speak to my younger self, uh, I guess uh, what I would say is not to not be afraid to reach out. And, you know, uh, government officials are just people like us, you know, <laughs> and uh, especially I, I really appreciate that, um, you know, government officials in the U.S. have these channels where you can, email them or call them um, and they're really open to you know what the constituents have to say and so that's something that I really appreciate. I think um, the core value of CCL that resonates with me the most is it's being nonpartisan because as I've mentioned you know climate it affects all of us and the planet. We live in one planet. Um, climate is a nonpartisan issue, and it's important that we all should work together to save our planet. Um, and CCL has shown me that it's possible to build this relationship with anyone in office, regardless of their affiliation, and you know, have your goals aligned towards climate action. Well, here's to that, Kaleem. Thank you, obviously, so much for sharing your own story of empowerment and for what you are bringing to the overall climate movement. One helpful graphic that I love just highlighting here is uh, just this idea of our comfort zone again that Colleen spoke about and how as we continue to engage with where that boundary might be, we expand it, right? It grows, it gets larger, we're more familiar, we're willing to take bigger risks. And what we like thinking about is that comfort zone initially is where we might want to stay and where we only feel like we can be impactful. But this is where the magic happens, right? When we stretch ourselves, when we take on new challenges, when we're willing to be uncomfortable and find out where we can engage ourselves to really push to the next level. And a powerful quote connected to this really highlights that life begins at the end of your comfort zone. So if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, know that that change taking place is a beginning and not an ending. And that's a quote by Neil Walsh. So uh, we are over halfway through and what I'd like to do next is transition to talking more about the importance and the art of building relationships. Um, so obviously that means both with members of Congress and their staff and to help highlight that journey, Let's hear from CCL volunteer, Henry Milwar, 
about his role and what he's doing in Connecticut. I'm a math teacher from West Hartford, Connecticut. I got involved with climate change out of concern, you know, for my children's future. Uh, I've been doing so much to kind of prepare them educationally, but I realized that uh, even more fundamental is uh, having a, a livable climate in the future that where they can thrive and grow and uh, have the wonderful luck and experiences that I've, I've been uh, fortunate to have in my life. Um, I started with CCL about two years back and I still remember my first legislative call. I was so nervous. I have been relatively apolitical all my life um, and had, hadn't had any kind of experience uh, talking with uh, representatives or senators, but CCL really makes it so easy. Um, the leadership here in Connecticut um, pulled me into the meetings. They, they had practices, so I would kind of know my exact role at the beginning. I, of course, had small roles, ones that I could handle that I felt comfortable with and, um, and had two very successful meetings uh, with representatives and senators uh, here in Connecticut. As we move forward, um, I started taking on larger and larger roles in the meetings uh, to the point where now I'm um, the legislative liaison for Connecticut District 1. Um, so it's kind of fun to have newer members of CCL come in with the same apprehensions that I, I did and being able to assure them that uh, this is kind of a, a great and empowering experience to be able to talk to your representatives and there's a role no matter how big you want to play there's a there's a role for you and my job you know is now part of the leadership is to help match you to that role i feel like where lobbying really started to take off for me was when i became the legislative liaison for my representative in my district um, we of course have the meetings that uh, occur um, twice a year and those are wonderful and I, I always get a high after every single meeting um, but of course sometimes you don't know exactly how much influence you have in the meetings or where the discussion that you have with your um, representative goes and they, they have a lot of different concerns to take care of in their district and we know we're just one of many and we're just trying to um, make them aware of you know what our feelings are and and represent the people interested in carbon pricing in the district as much as possible but where it really started to feel like i had a relationship with um my representative was kind of the in between as a legislative as a legislative liaison part of the process is to establish an ongoing communication um, with my representative and i remember writing the first uh, i try to write an email a month and I, um, I remember writing the first one, not knowing whether it would be appreciated or uh, annoying to um, my representative. But um, in fact, it was reciprocated and, and returned, not with a kind of a form letter, but with genuine appreciation. I had uh, brought attention to something that had happened in, in district um, and that the representative wasn't aware of. And uh, so we just have this monthly, little monthly exchange. Um, he lets me know what he's up to and I, I let him know about anything that's going on in the district that he might not know about. Um, and uh, it really starts to feel like a, a reciprocal relationship instead of us just kind of going and feeding them information and them may or may not act, be acting on it. Excellent. I think that that, you know, there's a lot of gems there in each of these stories. Uh, but I think what Henry is obviously highlighting there is the art of 
building relationships and having it happen across not just that initial lobby meeting, uh, but long-term as you continue to get to know and deepen that connection with the staff or the member of Congress. So let's talk a little bit more about that, right? So from Henry's example, we you know, just spoke about how you can actually think about building long-term meaningful relationships with your members of Congress or staff. Um, for anyone familiar with Dale Carnegie's training, um, you know, teaching the best way to win friends or influence people is to understand someone else's problems and interests. And this advice still obviously rings true today. And so what we've done here is really boiled this down into five areas that we really wanna emphasize, at least for Lobbying 101 here, on how we can help um, really deepen that understanding. As an advocate, you're gonna be much more powerful by starting a conversation by asking about, you know, your Congresswoman's child who just, you know, maybe graduated and went off to college or that you saw her picture in the newspaper recently at a ribbon cutting or congratulating them on her uh, recent legislative accomplishment. Uh, remember, members of Congress and, and lobbyists, the reason why they're so successful at their job is because they know the issues. They become trusted advisors or policy experts, and we can do that as well. We have specific information. Your lobby team, as it meets together, knows how the policies that we advocate for can show up to impact your state or district. And no one else has that level of information to what we are presenting. So really remind yourself that this is invaluable information, as well as that chance to connect and tell your story and not just be a constituent with an opinion, but also one that can ground that in a story. And again, every congressional office knows how those in in-district advocate positions can stay on top of issues and that's by basically engaging with them in between meetings to ask them for you know, what other information they'd like to have, keeping in regular contact so that you can continue to be that source of trusted information if something else comes up on a related issue connected to climate change or environmental policy, and to continue to do that in a way, obviously operating with respect, appreciation, and gratitude. It's not just a slogan, it's really the cornerstone of who we are and how we build relationships that have success and impact. And so to kind of wrap up this little section, I'll just pose a question again here for everyone. And that is for you, what's the most valuable tool you think that you have as a constituent lobbyist? If not the most, one of the most important valuable gifts that a lobbyist can give a member of Congress, especially as a citizen lobbyist, isn't a campaign contribution. It's a detailed analysis of how a particular issue affects that lawmaker's district or state. And you know, we know that some state associations or nonprofits or Corporate leaders may offer some parts of this data, but they can't pair it with a personal story that centers the human experience of an issue and why it matters to you and your family. And so we can say with a very great certainty that beyond our volunteer network and what we're working on in your local groups and chapters to identify and research how strong climate solutions like a price on carbon with cash back to American households, how that actually affects our legislators' constituents. So keep remembering that as you engage with your lawmakers and prepare for your member of Congress meetings. And the final section of what we'd like to talk about tonight is just that, right? The power of all of us sharing our own stories and being prepared to realize that your story and your voice and your background and experience matters just as much as anyone we've heard tonight or whoever might be in that meeting with you. And what I'd like to do is highlight this idea of storytelling as three elements. 
we've kind of heard this repeated in each of the stories so far that we've heard from Nick and from Colleen and from Hendry about this before and after moment and what changed for each of them in their involvement as they became more engaged with CCL. And oftentimes, you know, we don't have the full 15 or 20 minutes in a meeting to enact you know, this full spectrum of storytelling, this arc that we've just talked about, but you can still do a lot of it in 15 to 20 seconds, right? You can dial it in and you know, have it expand or contract depending on what time it is. You know, earlier again, we shared the example of that mom with an interest, you know, her own child's respiratory problems. That was a very powerful and compact story. You could be a farmer, a fisherman, a construction worker. So many industries or jobs out there right now are facing impacts and have interests that you can connect back to your own story. And what I'd like to invite all of us to do tonight is to take a moment to consider that opinion that you hold, that passionate cause that you advocate for, that you care about, and to start reflecting about how you would like to transform that opinion into a deeper personal interest story that can resonate with where your member of Congress is at and really connect to them on a human level. What story do you have to tell? Start writing down your thoughts, your, you know, brainstorming in your head, whatever you use you know, to really kind of reflect here um, so that you are prepared in your future meetings uh, to be able to advance that and share that story with your member of Congress. And you know, as people are reflecting, I'll just share a quick 20 second soundbite. This one is about a fictional character that might be joining you in your lobby meeting, but I think it does a great job of putting things together in the storytelling format that you can use in your meetings. So, you know, my name is John Smith. I've worked for 30 years in insurance, and we've seen that reinsurance has seen increasing historic costs due to the unprecedented rise in extreme weather events. And as a small business owner, as well as a centrist, I'm here to look out for my business's bottom line and pitch a policy that's supported by both sides of the aisle. So right there, I connected on a human level, you know, with my own story, uh, and also really was able to highlight a policy uh, that I was here to support with this group that I was meeting with. So to close tonight, before we go to Q&A, what I'd like to do is highlight one additional story which reminds us that we have the chance to share in our journey together and in this work of building power through this shared work. And so let's hear from Akila and the great work that she is doing in the Boston area. Uh, my name is Akila. Um, I live in Lexington and I am the group leader for uh, the CCL Boston Metro West chapter. And currently we have just over a thousand members, which is really great. And being a group leader at CCL has really allowed me to work with so many like-minded and passionate people. And together we've been able to do so many things like meet with members of Congress and have so many meaningful discussions to further climate policy. And one of the core, fo core focuses that I have as um, a member of our group is really engaging new members. And so, you know, recently we've had a huge increase in new members. And in order to work with that, we've done like these monthly contact Congress campaigns and these really engaged new members to create the political will for climate solutions by contacting their members of Congress. And also last year I was able to um, join a lobby team. Uh, we were able to learn about, you know, what were the whole, what were the holdups between um, furthering our ask and also, you know, what are the things that we can do as a chapter to really further climate solutions in our area. And, and 
it was just such an amazing experience. And so before I joined CCL, I was just honestly just searching online, seeing like, what can I do for climate change? Because you read the news and you see all these really scary headlines and you want something that you can do that's tangible. And when you join a group, you have the support of so many other people that are all like-minded and working towards the same goal. And when you have that support behind you and you have the ability to bounce ideas off each other, then that really allows you to go so much further and meeting with members of Congress and having all these opportunities that you wouldn't be able to have as a single individual. But when you are when you have a community, you have the access to so many more opportunities and that's so much more powerful. When I first joined CCL, I remember I was nervous because, you know, I didn't really know much about climate change and I wasn't sure how receptive people would be to like a younger person, but I realized that like everyone is so welcoming. You know, CCL has really been, has really given me the opportunity to work with, work with so many people and I never would have had this opportunity otherwise. And so I'm really grateful for everything that's given me. And regardless of your background, that's what's so great about CCL, you know, everyone is welcome and it doesn't matter what your political position is, you know, we are brought together by our shared values and we move past any biases or divides. And that allows us to be the most powerful we can be. And working together as a community, we all have such genuine ties together. And that really makes us so powerful in terms of creating climate solutions. Here's to that. So let's be powerful together. And obviously just in closing tonight to really uh, hone in on what we've talked about, are three areas that we've really been able to discuss to remember that lobbying as constituents matters and that we have important advantages that we can employ to be effective in advocating for climate solutions, to remember the particular approaches that we can use to be effective, and to be empowered to share our own stories and be prepared to share them to help others feel empowered to engage in the political process alongside us. So with tonight, we hope that you found this training useful educational and engaging, please feel free to engage in the forums with your own experiences and what you've really taken away and been able to use in your lobbying experiences and reach out with any other comments, ideas, questions. We look forward to being in touch and seeing you in the next step in our training sequence. Stay safe, everyone. And remember, as the Dalai Lama likes to remind us, if you think you are too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. Thanks again, everyone. And remember, together, we are building the political will for a livable world. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.